Okay. Do this one again. Thank you. April 9th, and this is tips on running a Seder. Um, so running a Seder is, uh, is not uh, an easy thing to do. I th- uh, most people struggle with it. Everybody who runs a Seder, most people who run a Seder f- find it a difficult thing to do. It's hard to engage everybody. It's hard to feel like you did a good job. I know every year I try, and every year uh, I feel like I didn't do such a great job, but we keep trying. So, most people also have only witnessed very few Siddharam. It's one of those things that you just don't see that many of in your life. You just see the few that you've attended and that's that. Um, and especially if you're making your own Seder, then you're, you're only seeing your own. So, it's hard to, to get a sense of what everybody else is doing. The, the, um, if you're running a small Seder, it's obviously easier. But Siddharam tend to be very large. And because they tend to be very large, so it's much harder. You have more people and more types of people at your table. Now we know that the the as the the Haggadah famously says that the Torah speaks about four children. Four children are not just children; it's four types of people that are going to be at your table, and that's the Chacham, the Rasha, the Tam, and the Eni of the Elishol. Everybody at your table will fit in in some way to one of those categories. Most of the time, you're going to have several of those four, if not all of those four, at your table. Now, this is not an accident. As I tell the people at my Seder every year, that the we know the Haggad itself says that I would have thought, I would have thought that we should begin from Rosh Chodesh to tell the story. So the Pasuk says, no, Bayomahu, you have to do it on that day. The, 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 the Haggadah continues. I would have thought, if it's Bayomahu, that you start already before nightfall. No, you have to do it when you have Matzah and Marah in front of you. So you've got to do it at night. Well, if you have to do it at night, and, as we're, we'll talk about it momentarily, if you need to eat the carbon Pesach, in time for chatzos, if that's all the time you've got, that's not a lot of time. You don't have that much time to have your Seder and tell the story. Now, if it were up to me, I would have thought that there should be separate Sedarim throughout the beginning of Nisan. I would have thought one day should be the Seder for the Chacham, one day a Seder for the Russia, one day a Seder for the Tam, and one day a Seder for the Shenu de Elishal. I would find that a lot easier. If I could have four separate Siddharm and have... Your and I'd be able to hand... You, you, you wouldn't find it easier. <laughs> <laughs> if we could hand-pick who would attend those Siddharm, and, and so one Seder, I would have my, my Yeshiva Bakr and, and Kolo Yungalite members of my family, and we'll sit there and we'll go through all the lumdis and the Eimaftir HaKapesach HaVikom, we go through all the depth and all the complexity of that. And then I'd have another Seder for the small children, who are Eno Yodeh they don't know even how to ask, and we, we tell the story in a very simple and dramatic way, and then we'd have another Seder for the Tam, and another Seder for the Rosh Hashanah. We'd have a different, we'd, we'd tailor it differently. That's the way I would do it. I think that that would, that would logically have made more sense. But the Torah tells us you can't do that. You've got to do it only the night of Pesach, which means necessarily at your table you're going to have different types of people. 
Always. Every Seder is like that. It's not unique to Atlanta. Every single Seder in the world, unless you have an, a, a very homogeneous group, which now homogeneous group doesn't just mean background, it means age. It means age. And, it, and, and often it, it means um, 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 how, how much they've prepared in advance. I mean, you, you have various different types of people at your, at your table, always. So you're going to have that at your table, which means if you're going to actually tell the story, in a way that's going to reach all of them, that means there will always be a point in the Seder where every single person at your table will feel, this is not for me. It has to happen. It can't be otherwise. It can't be that you're talking to the Tom, the simple son, and the Chacham says, oh, I'm, I'm very engaged. No, I'm not. I'm bored. And it can't be that you're talking to the Chacham and the Tom is saying, oh, this is really interesting. No, he's not. He's saying, I'm bored because I don't understand what they're talking about. It, it's got to be. And that's a necessary component of the Seder. And this is why I tell everybody in my Seder every year that this is what you should expect, that there are going to be times in the Seder times during Magid, that you're going to feel, this is talking to you, this is for you, this is what this is on your level, and then there are going to be times you're going to feel, this is not for me. This is not, this is not, not and, and it's not me that's doing that, it's not the Haggadah that's doing that, it's the Torah that's saying that. The Torah is telling us that we are expected to do that. Now, the, the, I think that especially in Atlanta, there's a tendency to try to reach the lowest common denominator, which means there's a tendency to dumb down the Seder because I don't want the person who has very little background to feel that they're getting, that there's information going on that they can't follow. That's not correct. That's not correct because you also have to talk to the Chacham and you, and you have to talk to the Chacham on the Chacham's level, which means there will be times where that person at your Seder who's never been to a Seder before will not know what's going on and you tell them in advance that's going to happen. Not that the whole time is like that. Obviously, there'll be times where you'll be talking to that person and the one who's very, very learned will be bored. And you'll tell them in advance, that's also going to happen. But that's the way it has to work. That's the way it's expected to work. That's not a bidyevet. That's the way the Torah wants it to be. If that is understood at the outset, if that's the expectation at the outset, that tends to deal with a lot of the problems that come up. Because if everybody knows that there's going to be a point in the Seder, hey, this is not for me. You know what? The Seder's not about me. It's about us. And people know that at the outset, and every single person that will know is there's parts of it that are going to be for me and parts that are not going to be for me, then people can handle it. And, and you, as running the Seder, it's your job to make sure everybody is engaged at different times and make sure that everybody has a chance to, to be engaged. One more introductory point about this. Um, I'm going to piggyback on something Rabbi Feldman spoke about last week, which is the children coming home with uh, reams and reams of, of uh, Divrei Torah to say. Um, so, as, as he mentioned last week, that, um, that does make it difficult for the Seder. So, um, the, the, obviously I deal with that as well. So, what do I do to, to personally to handle that is that I tell the children well in advance, not the night of the Seder, I tell them already this week, I tell them well in advance of the Seder that at the Seder, I know you're going to have a whole bunch of 
things that you're going to bring home from school, but we are not going to be reading off of our notes at the Seder. That you'll have one or two opportunities, perhaps, to say something. It will give you a chance to say something, but you're but we're not going to be reading off the whole thing. I'd love to hear everything you did in school, but that will be for a different time on Pesach, not at the Seder. You're not going to we're not going to stop at every single part and you read off everything you learned in school. We're not doing that. That if you, if there's only one child at the Seder, then it's just um, it just it just uh, gets a little bit uh, a little bit. Um, um, I don't know, monotonous. If you have six children at the Seder, then it takes over, and you can't—you don't have a Seder, so you, you can't—you just can't let that happen. So I—I I tell the children well in advance of Pesach that this is the way it's going to be. That we're—we're we're not going to be doing that. I, of course, I tell them I want to hear what they have to say, but not at the Seder. We're not going to be—we're not—that's not going to be—that's not going to define the Seder. It's not going to be the children reading off of their of their notes. May I ask a question? Yeah. If you have guests who have. They they have also have young children coming to the Seder. Do you tell those kids? Yeah, I try to remember to do that too. Yes, to tell the guests to, to inform their children or whatever it is. Now, as you'll hear, the the Seder needs to be child friendly, and we try to make it as child friendly as possible. And it's just not in that way, as as you'll hear. Now, <clears throat> it is brought in the Gemara, um, in the Mishnah actually, that one should try to keep the children awake. For the seder, there, you, you give out kloyos uh, ve'egozim. That is the equivalent in their day of candy. Kloyos is roasted wheat. Yum, yum, roasted wheat. When you take wheat and you roast it, it gets sweet. So roasted wheat was a, a, a treat, as were nuts, and you gave them out in order to keep the kids awake. Today, that would translate into all kinds of candy and sweets, or whatever it is that you give your kids to to keep them interested and awake. So that is that is brought. It is it is a it is a, uh, a good thing to do. It is an it is an expected thing to do. All of Kalal Yisrael does that. Question is, what age? What age do we do that? The halacha is that a child is higia lechinuch. When do they reach the age of training of chinuch? When they are around six or seven years old. That's the Gemara says kabar shis kabar sheva around six or seven years old. There is no reason why a three-year-old should be kept awake for <laughs> the for the, late into the seder. Now, I, I, what we try to do um, when when our children were very young is is um, you know they're excited. There's a seder coming up. They're not they're not going to want to go to sleep. So we generally kept the kids up for manishtana. They said the manishtana, and then they were given a piece of matzah, a piece of marar, and then they were they went to sleep. They went to bed. That was it. There's no reason, there's no halachic reason, no hashkafic reason to keep a three-year-old up well into the night. None. There's no reason for it at all. And putting them, putting them to sleep even before the whole thing begins, there's nothing wrong with that if that's what works best for you. <laughs> Once a child is, is six or seven years old, now you've got the age of chinuch. So now there is, that's where you're talking about a child where the goal is to try to keep them up as much as possible for the Seder. They're not going to make it through the whole thing, but at least something, whatever, they can, whatever they're able to appreciate to be able to do. The, the, um, there are various things that are embedded in the Seder that are meant to keep the children awake and, by extension, to keep everybody 
um, more focused, and that's the way you move things around. So in the beginning of this seder, of course, kadesh orchats, karpas, yachats. Um, when we break that middle matzah every year, we hold up that matzah, and the kids are betting which side is going to be the bigger one, which one's going to be the smaller one. And you know, if I can break it, that it's so perfectly down the middle, you know, then I get a big cheer. We make a whole big deal out of breaking that matzah. This, you know, that which one is it going to be? And then, of course, we get the youngest child, and I ask the youngest child which one. Do I put away? Which one do I keep? Which is the afikomen? Okay, so then they have to choose which one it is. Of course, the bigger one is the afikomen, but they don't necessarily know that, so right, that becomes a thing. The afikomen is a tool. The afikomen is a beautiful tool to use. The, it says already in Shocharach that the, the minig is to, to grab the afikomen, to steal it from each other, grab the afikomen from each other, to show the chavivus ha-mitzvah, to show how much we love the mitzvah. When I was growing up, my grandfather, Lasham, that afikomen was, I mean, he was, he, he was more animated with that afikomen than any other time during the year. And that became the focus of the entire Seder. It became an entire thing where he would hide it. We had to try to distract him and get it from him. Then we would steal it and we would hide it. He would search the house looking for that afikomen so that we would, he wouldn't have to give us a gift afterwards. That's what he claimed anyway, right? It became a whole thing and, and running around in the, in the whole business. I remember sneaking under the table. He had it hidden under the tablecloth, under his seat. I didn't know where it was. And at one point, I don't know if it was accidental or on purpose, he went like this and I heard a crack. <laughs> so I snuck under the table. He probably knew I was coming. I mean, he's an adult, right? I snuck under the table. I stuck my hand up and I reached up and I charged out on the table, right? This is, this is, that's the kind of, the Afikoma is a great tool. I use it as a tool. I use it as a tool where, where, you know, of course, I make a big fanfare out of it. Uh, I know the kids are all over the place trying to get that afikomen. I'll, I'll stick it in my in my jacket pocket. I'll put it under my kittle, whatever it is. I remember one time my uncle, um, they, he was he uh, he had one of these. Um, they were in a, they have a, this these this room with a tall ceiling. So they have he has one of these tall um, sticks that used to open a, a high window. So he put it on top of there and he put it on top of the ceiling fan, which was off. But he put the afikom on the top of there to keep right. It's a whole. He just right. Just obviously later he took it down. The goal here is to use that afikomen to leverage the afikomen to keep everybody engaged. The kids are engaged. The kids are conspiring with each other. The kids are conspiring with the adults. The adults are whispering to the kids, "This is what you should do to get it away from Abba." Da, 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 da. Right. It's it's throughout the throughout Magid until a certain point. You want to use that afikomen and leverage it. And at a certain point, of course. I'll let my guard down and all of a sudden the afikomen will be gone. If it really works out well, which it often does in our Seder, you'll have different children from different families um, ganging up on other children and it ends up the afikomen gets stolen multiple times. One group of children will steal it and then they hide it, but another group then finds it. And then it's just this constant ongoing thing until we finally get to the afikomen. We've had many years, we had one year in particular, one memorable year where there were, there were, um, there were um, um, what's it called? Um, um, fake afikomens that were created in order to dupe the other teams. And, right? So at the end of the day, at the end of the day, there were three different teams that thought they had the real afikomen, but they didn't. And then finally, the other one. Right? And then there's the negotiating for what they're going to get for the afikomen. And you know, and of course, I promised all of them a shiny quarter. No, no, you can't even shiny quarter. Right? So the, the the thing is that that it it's a great tool. It should be leveraged. It really is a wonderful tool that the afikomen. The, the, uh, at our Seder, we also have um, a, 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 a bowl of treats 
that, um, that I give out to children who either ask a good question or say a good answer, and they, they get their treats for that. The uh, question is, what age do you stop doing that? I have older children who also want to get those treats. But okay, but again, that's a, that's a form of giving out a goyos a goyos as the Mishnah says, um, in order to keep the children engaged and keep the children awake. The, the Seder itself, moving the, following the instructions of the Haggadah, moving the Seder plate, covering the matzah, uncovering the matzah, raising the cups, singing the various parts that you sing, um, the, 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 the various acting out of things with the makos, people do all kinds of things with makos, so you want to act things out. All these things keep the children engaged, but they keep the adults engaged as well. Everybody is looking forward to the next part. Everybody remembers it from last year. There's parts of it that are that are just a lot of fun, and it should be nurtured. It should not be that the Seder is this rigid thing where where everybody has to sit around quietly, where you can't, there's, there's no room for, for any kind of, of um, creativity or making things uh, interesting. Now, at the same time, with all of that fun stuff going on, you still need to do the mitzvah, which is to tell the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Now, the truth is, if you read the Haggadah and understand what you're reading, or if you translate it for everybody, you say it out loud, then you're going to get the mitzvah. The mitzvah is done in reading the Haggadah. But there is the idea of making it particular for each of the people at the Seder. So you want to engage different people. This is the method that I've used over the past several years with success, which I will share with you, for Magid itself. So there are, there are first of all, two background components to it, and then the main part. The first background component is that I do not let anybody dwell on the beginning of Magid. You can spend hours on my sub Rabbi Yoshua, and, and you, you can spend just hours on those first few paragraphs. And a lot of times, the children's divaytara um, from school are on those first few paragraphs of Magid. But those first few paragraphs of Magid are introductory. They're not Magid. Really what Magid is starts with Tzayul Amad. With that, that's where Magid really begins. That's when you're really telling the story, is when the, the, the Haggadah brings the Psukim that... And, and dissects those psukim, darshans those psukim. That's really where Magid is, is happening. So the, the, I, I don't let the Seder get stuck on those first few paragraphs. We move through those paragraphs quickly to get into the meat of, of Magid. That's number one. Number two, number two, Chatzos in Atlanta this year is 137. There is a debate whether one needs to eat the afikomen in time for chatzos, in time for 137. The Ramah says that even better, not just to eat the afikomen in time for chatzos, it's better to finish halal in time for chatzos. I recommend to everyone, use that time. Make that a deadline. Say in advance, whoever you're talking to who's running the Seder, say in advance, I would like us to make sure to eat the afikomen, maybe even get to halal, but at least eat the afikomen in time for chatzos. That pressure will keep things moving, and you want to keep things moving. You just don't want to get stuck on something which would just, you'll, you'll just lose, you'll just pop the air out of everybody. You want to keep it moving. So the, that 137 deadline is a great deadline to use. 
the, the now if you date it back, so the cheshbon we use, if 137 is the afikomen, that means that before afikomen, you have to have, after magid, you have to have rachza, means everybody's got to get up and wash, which takes time, and you have to have matzah, and marar, and koreich, and in the Pranitzki home, we have eggs, which I'll describe to you in detail in a moment, because that's part of the great part of the Seder. And, um, and then the meal itself. In our home, the meal always consists of not just one course. There's soup, and then there's the main course, and then there's dessert, and then there's afikomen. So that means there, you've got a lot going on over there. So that whole thing takes at least an hour, at least, maybe more. So if you date it back, when are you starting the Seder? You're not starting the Seder before 9 p.m. this year. Not For sure not before 9 p.m. So how much time do you have already? So you start the Seder, you finally get everybody seated, and you say Kiddush. Then you got to get up and wash. Then you come back and you do Karpas. And then Yachatz. And then Manishtana. And Manishtana, I forgot to mention, Manishtana, that is the time for the children to shine. And for each child to say Manishtana is a special thing. They should be given that opportunity. That's a wonderful thing that the children are given the opportunity each one to get up and say Manishtana up to a certain age. So, so by the time you finish all of that, it, it's not before 10 o'clock. So, how much time do you have for Magid? Maybe two hours. Maybe. That's, that's all you got. That's a great pressure to have. That Magid can't take more than that. It's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. You should use that. You should leverage that to your advantage to keep the Seder going. Keep it moving. Move on to the next thing and just feel that pressure. It's a good thing for you to have in order to, to, to keep things going. The the so those are the those are the two things that that number one that to move through the beginning of the introductory parts of Magid quickly and to keep that pressure in mind. So then, what do we do to um, to keep everybody engaged and to try to also have a discussion that fits each kind of person? So what we do is we go around the table, starting with I, I choose which paragraph we're going to start from in Magid, but we start usually it's say Omad. And we start with the adult, let's say, to my left, and, and we say, okay, each adult in the room, when it's your turn, you get to read the next paragraph. You can read it in Hebrew, you can read it in English, you can read it however you want, but you read it out loud. You can pass if you wish, but if, if you want to, you get to read it out loud. And when it's your turn, then you get to address the table with something, a question, a point, that you get to say. But but there's a caveat. Whatever you're going to do, number one, it must be short. You don't get 20 minutes. You get a couple of minutes to say something. And it could be on anything. It does not have to be on the paragraph you're reading. It could be any part of the Seder, but when it's your turn. And it needs to be something that, that at least there are some children in the room that can appreciate what you're saying. It could be one of the more learned children. It could be one of the less learned children. Whatever it is, but there should be something that that the that you should be addressing to to the larger group. But the now what happens with that is as we move along, and then when they're finished, the next one goes. Next one goes. Next one goes. In, at the end of Magid, every adult has had one chance because by the time we get around the table, we're done. There's just there's a lot of adults, so it's done. If you have a smaller seder, you can go around a couple of times. By the, and of course. I'm monitoring it. It's not, it's not haphazard. I'm watching where we're up to. I'm watching the clock. There are parts that I say, okay, take another paragraph, go quickly. Or I'll do a paragraph real quick because I know it's, this one's not going to not very interesting. I'll, I'll fly through it. Right? I'm, 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 I'm managing it. It's not happening by itself. 
the the um, <coughs> what happens is that so we're going around so we get to uh, we get to one adult who has an interesting point that they say in a way that will engage one of the children or a couple of the children fine but but they really have a point that they're making and then another adult will say something oh that's interesting and they'll go back and forth a little bit that discussion will be on one of the levels, meaning it'll either be on a Chacham level, or on a Tam level, or any of the Elisha level. That's, it will develop into a discussion on the level of whatever it is the person was bringing up. So obviously, when I get to my Yeshiva Bacher uh, a child, and he has a chance to, to speak, what he brings up is going to end up being a dissertation. But the dissertation is going to be no more than four minutes. It's going to be whatever he can cram in to that time. And, and if his brother-in-law says, oh, you know what, I heard something similar, and what about this cash order? I'll let that go for a couple minutes. They have the right. They're the chachamim at the table. They have the right also to be engaged on their level, even though there are people at the table who don't know what they're talking about. That's fine. But I let that go only for a couple minutes, and then I cut it off. Similarly, when the discussion breaks out over something else somebody else said, which is a very, very simple part of the Seder, and there's like explanatory things going on, then that also let that go for a couple minutes. But again, that gets cut off at a certain point because the other people who don't find that interesting. So it's got to keep moving. So the discussions end up being, they, they end up, um, they end up, um, they, they develop on their own. They're, 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 they're not, they're, I, don't, I don't control it it, it kind of, I manage it. I manage it as it goes along. As the discussions come up, I manage the discussion. Now sometimes, of course, something will be said, and I think that is ripe for a good discussion, so I might push it a little bit. But it's all managing. It's not, it's not creating, it's managing. I don't come into the Seder filled with all these different Torah that I planned in advance. That, I let it develop on its own. Let the people at the Seder talk about what they're interested in talking about as long as it's Seder-related. Now, obviously, we do not let the discussion move off into politics or sports and anything like that. That gets cut off immediately. We're at the Seder right now. The Seder is about the Seder. So that, 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 doesn't, that we don't allow it to happen. But, but what part of the Seder should be spoken about or how in-depth or what, that we let it develop generically instead of, instead of it being um, 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 forced from, you know, from, from one person deciding what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, because of time, do you ever skip things? Well, we don't, I, don't, I never skip anything. I never skip anything. I think that one should try to say the entire thing, although you can be Yotze with very little of it, as we know, with Pesach uh, Matzamar, you can, you can really be Yotze with very little, but I, I don't skip anything. I could understand... There are parts that I run through. There are parts that I run through, and those who are at the table who are learned enough to, to, to in their own minds, thinking, oh, I want to say that, then they'll run through it on their own, too. You know, but I, I let people know what's happening. I, I, you know, I guess, say it real loud, and I just say, oh, next paragraph, and move on to the next one. So, you know, that'll... The, the, when you count how many makos happened at the Yamsuf, right? 50, was it... Right, and you count out those, you know, um, 200, 250. So th- those paragraphs get somewhat monotonous. So there, I'll just like you know zip through unless someone has something real good to say. But otherwise, I'm gonna I'm gonna move through that. Right, that's a, yeah. yeah. Do you also warn people that they have under four minutes? I don't I don't tell them that I don't tell them that. But they see it. That's you know I'm 
I'm pushing along. I'm pushing along. So I don't say, you know, I have to remember, um, some of the people that say that I, I have to be very respectful towards. Um, so I can't, I can't. But, you know, they, they see the clock is ticking. You know, the, the, my whole demeanor is one in which we're, we're moving along. We're moving along. How are you going to cut them off? You know? I don't cut them off. I kind of like redirect a little bit. And, you know, I'm also not, not necessarily seated in the same place. You know, I'm, I'm up, I'm walking around a little bit in the room, you know, it's, it's, and at the same time, let's say that I see that the discussion has moved into something where uh, my nine-year-old is, you know, her eyes are glazing over. So I'll kind of walk by and just drop a treat on her plate, you know, just to, you know, well, something to, you know, well, dangle the uh, afikomen somewhere near her and she'll like, oh boy, and like, you know, that'll, that'll all of a sudden wake her up, you know, like, whatever it is. That kind of thing. Right? Just to keep my eyes open for what's going on around the table. Did this take you some number of years? Yes, to yes, 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 yes. Many years, many years. It this is this. No, no. No, no, no. There were many, many failures. Many. This is all, this is a result of a lot of years of, of, of trying things out. Yeah. After you've had, everyone's had their turn, it gets back to you, but they're still left. The, so I, I'm managing that. I'm managing that because they don't know how much to do. So I'll tell someone to do. Plus, if a person reads more fluently than someone else, I'll have them read more because I know they can. You know. So again, it's it's managing. It's not. But I've got it in mind. You know, I'm I'm, I'm keeping a cashman as they're going around the table. So that's like, yeah. Working hard. Could, could you? Could I, I, I come out exhausted? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Whoever has something to say, can they put? Instead of reading word for word, can they put things into their own? Yeah, if if, if they wish. Could you tell them? Yeah, if they wish. If they wish. If they wish. Yeah. So again, I'm I'm timing it based on the on chatzos. So I'm so it's approximately for us it takes about two hours or so, something like that, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You can do that. I do. I do because because I, I cause it it's I use it as a tool. I don't do it because of the halacha. I do it as a tool to keep them the same moving. That's, I've never I've never done me personally. When I was growing up, we did. But you know, when I was growing up, it was like, "Oh, how was your seder? How was your seder?" Was there? Right? But I, I don't do that. I, I'm <laughs> katsos. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So one of the toys that, that I've tried to use over the years is that when, when it's an interesting discussion, but there's not time, is oh, let's solve that for the meal. Yeah, yeah. That so never works. it never works. It never works. So when you get to the meal, no one's interested. Yeah, like make it work. Yeah. It never works. Never works. No one's ever as interested in doing it at the meal. <laughs> no, in the meal, everybody wants to relax and eat, and then they're moving on to the next thing. So it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It usually gets shelved for the next day. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Now, now, um, that's that's maggot. That's maggot. Now. Every family has their songs they like to sing, and they have the parts that, that everybody really enjoys. Uh, most people sing Dayenu. We do sing Dayenu as well. And, and the parts that the, that the children are going to enjoy more, and, and we do those things. The, 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 um, they're, they're, it is important also not to let the Seder stall at the end of Magid. You finish Magid, and now you're moving into Rachza, Motzi Matza, Marar, Korech. So it can stall there. You can really take. You can take a really, really long time. You have a big crowd to go through all those things. So what we do is that first of all, before Pesach, before Pesach, we already make bags of matzah, 
broken up into shiurim, small amounts, that would be given out to anybody who wishes to have a shear. Not everybody wants to have a shear, but those who want to have a shear. So, um, I'm not into the real big shiurim. It's a standard small shear for every person. And um, we've already, we have, we have um, a large amount we break it down by how many people we have at the Seder. Um, how many shiurim of matzah do you need? You need one for matzah, one for korech, one for afikomen, times two, because it's two nights. So it's six per person. So we have a lot of those things. You'll say, but where, where, why are you breaking up your matzah? Most of my matzah comes broken to begin with. So I'm not breaking up any matzah. They're already broken. So... The, um, so we break those up and uh, we have them in a bag in, in little bags so when it's time for motzi matzah the children are already going around giving out bags of matzah so when I make the bracha on my matzah and then I, I, uh, I keep some for myself and I break up the matzah into smaller pieces and pass it around everybody takes a little small piece of the matzah I made a bracha on and they add it to their bag and then eat their, their bag worth of matzah same thing for marar marar so for the romaine lettuce same thing, of course you have to check it very well, be very careful with the bugs, but the, the romaine lettuce, same thing, we have it broken down already into bags from beforehand. This Now you're going to need two per person per night, so it's four, because it's, it's marar and korech. So um, there we do less than four times every day, because some people like the horseradish. So that, that we don't do in advance, that's fairly easy to do, basically take a plastic shot glass and fill it up, and that's, that's essentially the amount for... Um, for uh, marar, so so it's really a little less than that. So um, so it, it just moves things along much more quickly to have those things set up in advance before the seder. Just by experience, matzah you can do several days in advance. Marar you can only do erev pesach because the the, the lettuce will get uh, you know it'll get messy if you put it in bags from before, you know, if you start breaking it down and putting it in your bags well beforehand. So that, that's an Arab Pesach thing, but the matzah can be done a couple days in advance. Yeah? One does separate the bags. Is it imperative that everyone does get a broken piece from the matzah? No, it's not imperative. It's not imperative. What is the best way to get it around the table? I, we, that's a hard thing. For I know. We have, two, we have two matzah uh, plates, and I, I just, I just uh, put put one from the mozi, one from the matzah <laughs> on each plate. I pass it around. I tell them in advance. You know, before... Rachza, before Rachza, I, I quiet everybody down, I tell, and I say, everybody, this is what we are going to do. And I explain everything about the bags, about the matzah, if you want to break off a piece, about the mar, that you have two choices, what kind of mar you want, we just, we just do everything around. And, this is another thing to use to your advantage, lichat chila, a person, just like when you wash for bread, you're not supposed to talk until you, after you have the bread, after you have the matzah. You're, with, with matzah, marar, and korech, you're really not supposed to talk till you finish korech. Matzah, marar, and korech. Now, truth be told, it's not, according to halacha, it's not the most terrible thing if some people talk, especially if they're talking about what they're doing. But, I tell everybody, it's, you wash your hands, there should be no talking, except you, except you really have a real need, there should be no talking, till after korech. This also serves to move things along. Because if people are talking, they're schmoozing. Right? They're not talking, people are moving along. And they're following instructions. So, so I, I give clear instructions before we wash, this is what is going to happen from then until you finish the korech. So it, again, it keeps things moving because people are not talking. So that's, that's part of it as well. The the, um, the the Pranskis the Pranskis have uh, many people have the minute to eat eggs 
to eat uh, to eat eggs on, on Pesach. Some do, some don't. We do. And we have it after Korech, before Shulchan Aruch. And it's really it's the beginning of Shulchan Aruch, a hard-boiled egg. If you don't like eggs, you don't have it. If you like eggs, you have it. However, the Pranskis have the very traditional egg-cracking contest. The way the egg cracking, the kids, everybody looks forward to this every year. The egg cracking contest works as follows. Every egg has two parts, two, two sides to it. You have the pointy part, and then you have the round part on the bottom. So you turn to the person next to you, you bang the pointy part to pointy part, only one egg will crack. Always. <laughs> only one. You'll try it. There's only one that will crack. Then you turn them over, bang them again. So either one of two things will happen. Either one person has a completely good egg, the other one has a completely broken egg, or each one has one side broken and the other side not. If your egg is completely broken, you're out. If, you, if your egg is completely whole, you move on to the next level. We have brackets, we continue going, and we crown the egg-cracking champion of that year, first Seder, and that year, second Seder. What's the prize? Just bragging rights. But that's what we do. Wow. That's what we do. We've done this since I was a kid. I, this is what we've always done, and this is what we still do. And it, again, it is a great tool for everybody. It, it adds some levity to it. The place is a little bit wild when that's going on. And then, of course, you know, the kids are saying, would you eat my yolk? You know, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. So it's good. It, it moves things along, and, it, and, it's, and it's just a fun, it's a fun part of the Seder that we do. You don't have to do that, but I'm just, I'm just showing you that it can be something you can add some some spice to what's going on. It doesn't have to be so rigid the whole the whole thing. Yeah. So when is exactly you, you have We eggs? do the eggs after korech before the soup is served. Okay. That's when we do. It. Can you have it earlier? You can have it. Well, you can't have it before the matzah. No. And you shouldn't. You should, you should not interrupt between matzah, mara, and korech. So if you're going to have eggs, you should have it sometime during the meal. Okay. So not we do it first before, thing. Not before matzah, matzah. No. No. Yeah. With the sharing of the Haggadah with Magid. So. It's the mitzvah of Vigata Levincha. Yeah. So you're losing opportunity. Yeah, so I do not make it a point to try to speak to my child, Vigata Levincha. It's happening. The Seder is happening. They are getting spoken to. It, and we're, we're, we are creating a Seder. We're bringing them to a Seder. It's happening. I don't feel that you have to actually focus on your child and look them in the eye and say, this is what happened. They're, they're getting it. They're getting it. It's happening. They're never going to forget this. The Seder is emblazoned in everybody's minds. It, it's, it, you're not going to forget it. The, the, um, again, we are makbid to make sure to eat that afikohen in time for chatzos. It moves things along because I don't want to skimp on the time for the meal because that's not fair. My wife prepared a meal. So the, the meal is to be eaten properly. So again, that makes things move along for, ma- for magid so that there will be a normal time for a meal. It's that it shouldn't be rushed through, and then of course we're moving along for the for the afikomen, and then after the afikomen, of course the benching, etc. The second part after benching, so um, so so you have safon barich halel nirtza, so halel nirtza. So I'm sure this is true in most homes. It's very festive, a lot of singing, no more telling the story. It's all just a lot of camaraderie and singing. And we do it, I'm sure most people do that, or many people do this. You do the Echad Miyodea with all of the hands singing. The, other, the, the girls have such a great time with what, 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 what symbolism is for this, what symbolism for that. They do that, whatever it is. And um, various tunes, we have arguments of which tune is better, which tune is worse. Okay, these things go on every year. But, but everybody remembers it, and it's fun. And, the, and the, the goal is that when the Seder ends, it ends on a high. Everybody's excited. It was fun. It was, it was really, really enjoyable. And so that is, the, that is the general approach 
to, to the Seder. So if, you, if you're going to break it down into specific things, it's planning in advance, keeping it moving, keeping it moving, and not getting stuck on particulars. Like, you know, the Seder is built into to the Haggadah. It's all there. There's no reason why we have to, to, we don't have to make it different than the Haggadah. The Haggadah itself already has the, the structure that we need. It's called the Seder for that reason. Yeah? Do you have suggestions for, like, Hall and when either your, most of the people who you're having don't know the tunes, or you're having, like, a lot of women who aren't going to be singing out loud with everyone? Like, how, how, how do you make that? How do you make that happen? Um, I don't. I don't have a specific way to make that happen. We just sing. Whoever knows and knows it or doesn't, they'll learn it. You know, that's that's. We have people to say who never heard those tunes before, and they, you know, like, like if I'm in a situation, in a state where like I'm the only one who knows, or like my wife knows the tunes, but she's not going to. <laughs> right. Like, what do you need to say? It's like a solo the whole way. Yeah. So then, then you do what you can. So then, then maybe it's better not to sing. You know, each each state of everything. You know, when we when we get to the. Um, when we get to the parts that are in Shachris, to Nishmas, so I have my children who like to be Chazanim, they, they should lead that part, as if they were diving Shachris for the Ahmed. They, they lead it at the table. That's what they like doing. Everybody likes listening to them, so that's what they do, you know. So it, it, every Seder, you have to take it, uh, you know. And it could be in certain times, it's better not to sing. Yeah? Yeah. Um, how do you handle Seva Lamad and all the Midrashim for people who are not familiar? The best Haggadah I know of for that is the, the art school children's Haggadah because they have it color coordinated for the Pesukim. They show exactly, you know, yeah. the, here's this Pesuk and then you're dissecting the, right. the Pesuk. Yeah. And some people will follow every part of it, some people won't follow every part of it. You know, just like the rest of the Seder. Some of it will speak to the Chacham, some will speak to the Enu Deal. I understand. So you're going around the table and dividing it, let's say, by a pas, a pas, for each Pasuk? Or each little paragraph. Yeah, of it. Okay, so people are supposed to react, but if they don't understand how the Mitrashim work, how do yeah. they react? Yeah, they, they don't. Okay. <laughs> okay. We, we, used the, we used the Arshkol Children's Haggadah. I used it with my mother and my sisters who were not children, and they really enjoyed it. Yeah, it, it, it shows you exactly what's happening over there. Yeah. Even if they're not familiar with how a drusha works, whether you see what's what's happening, right? Which which one you said? The art school children's haggad. Oh, what is it? I don't know what's called. Is that? Right? Call they just call <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. It's called children's haggad. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Okay. Achan kashav to everybody. Thank you very much. Yes.